I really think creating that safe space to dialogue about sex is so mm-hmm. important. You know, fingers crossed that is where we headed in the future. A lot of people don't know what they like when it comes to sex, and there's like I think that is the experience of my generation, of our generation, is that well, the generation beforehand we just didn't talk about it so much, and now we're talking about it. So I think people my age are are coming around to saying like, yeah, this is. This is what I like, and this is how I want you to to touch me. This is how I I feel that, and um, you know, to be able to talk about those things is another level to it. Refreshingly real, refreshingly honest, refreshingly human—a podcast about human connections, shared experiences, and finding that line of humanity. With your host, Hannah Pillow. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Refreshingly Human. It's myself, Hannah Pillow, and I am joined once again with Lee Hopkins. Hi, Lee. Hi, Hannah. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, you know, I actually just recently realized that whenever someone asks me how I'm doing on my podcast, it's usually a very gloomy answer. <laughs> but I'm actually doing well today, so yay! <laughs> oh well, fantastic! That's great. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so I'm so excited to have Lee back again because uh, we just released an episode with Lee on my podcast for the last season, mm-hmm. and. I love that episode so much, Lee. Like, I just felt like there's so much of gold in that episode. It was amazing. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and I just love how open you are and how honest you can be with topics like this. And it's just what we need to get into the topic of sex and sexuality. So excited! Absolutely, yeah. It's being open and honest is what I think. We definitely need, it. and we're going to get into it, I'm sure. But like, that's not what I experienced when I was a kid. That's not what I grew up with. So it's very important to be able to open up and and talk about this very human thing. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to that as well. That we we didn't grow up with that, you know, the openness that we have now. And you know, there's just so much is changing. You know. We we are just I I keep saying this, but we're so blessed to be in the generation that we are in right now. Absolutely, yeah. in this age of technology and where we're able to connect with each other a lot more easily. Because like maybe even twenty thirty years ago, there would be no opportunity to even connect with you. Yeah, exactly. And then nobody would know how awesome I am. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> Well, let's get into it, Lee. Uh, we want to get into sex and everything about sex. And I like to start with what were you told, or as I like to say, what were you not told about sex growing up? So what messages were coming through to you? And what was that like? Was there a conversation that happened? Well, um, my sex education was from school. So that's not something we talked about at home at all, really. And if we did, it was a bad thing. So I grew up in a a Christian household, let's say, where 
you know, we don't talk about things. They don't talk. We didn't talk about our feelings. So we didn't talk about our sex drives or anything like that. Didn't know what it was, didn't know what was happening. So no conversation about that. And I remember learning about it in school. I think I was in the sixth grade and uh, the teachers who had to talk to us about it, they seemed very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) They seemed very uncomfortable about it. Yeah. So that was, you know, my experience. And most of it was negatively geared towards just don't do it. Just don't do it because there's all kinds of things that can happen to you. It's all bad. I don't even know what it really is, but it's all bad. That's it's all bad. You get yeah, go pregnant bad. and your life is ruined. Yes, you'll, <laughs> you'll get all kinds of diseases. I remember they showed us like slides of... of uh, oh, no. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, yeah, they don't, they're missing out. It's not, it's not <laughs> bad. <laughs> They must have got, I like that. You know, when you mentioned your sex ed teacher, I just remembered a scene that like when my biology teacher had to teach that part of biology because it was, um, so this wasn't in a sex ed class, but it was in part of the biology curriculum in South Africa. And she had to get to that part about the egg and the sperm and her face turned bright red. And she was like so (laughs) blushing and she was teaching an all girls class, you know, she wasn't even teaching a mixed class, but she was like bright red. And then all the girls were giggling and we're like, we were like in grade 10. That was like 14 year old. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting because like you were old enough, you're older than a sixth grader. <laughs> a sixth grader, I mean, you'd have a better understanding, at least a little bit of understanding like what's happening here. And just to have them feel them them feel shame themselves or surprised that that's so wow, that, that just shows how much talking we have not done about this. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that was a very short lesson and I don't even <laughs> I don't even remember the lesson content itself more than I remember that teacher blushing so much. (laughs) (laughs) So how did your, how did what you learned about sex or what you didn't learn about sex, how did that affect your own relationship with sex growing up? Well, um, it was a little bit of um, uh, a lot more curiosity. So, you know, I tied religion and um, sex and all that stuff together. So there was a point where I decided that I would drop religion. And with that, all the ideas about how sex was. So when I dropped those things, I became more curious, like, well, if religion didn't quite fit in, then where is sex here? So what is sex and how is it? And, and like, um, so I already knew when I was a young person, and I became in, I came into these feelings of having sex. I didn't. I just didn't have any. But I was having attractions to people. I had attractions to both sexes, and I was attracted to them. And I was like, I knew I shouldn't act on any of them. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. And so when I went to college, it was an opportunity to explore. It was an opportunity to like kind of um, stop repressing those. And I will never forget that there was one day I was walking around in the um on campus and it was just walking through the common area where most of the students go and i saw somebody who was attractive to me and they were of the same sex and i was like 
I did a head turn. I turned my head involuntarily. I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't do that. Oh my God, I felt such shame about that. But then after a few years, I worked through it and I was able to enjoy. So mm. I just really felt like whatever I was told, I had to go find out myself to see if mm. it was true, if it was right or anything like that. So yeah, that's how it affected me. Wow, that must have been quite a moment. I I cannot even imagine. Um, so you you spoke about shame there. So you tied in sex to shame, and、mm-hmm. was that like you said tied to religion? Yeah, because it was all bad. It was just sex is all bad. Period. Unless you're unless you're married, and like I, I wasn't interested in being married or anything. I was. Interested in exploring and having a life, and then it's doubly worse if even if you are married and you're married to the same sex, that's you just can't do those things. So <laughs> I had all kinds of conflict going on in my head, and、um, once I decided, once I was able to work through the shame, then I was able to go and have fun and experience it, and realize that there are some things that、I、like more than others, and not and make these decisions myself for what sex is going to be for me.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. How do you work through that shame? I know this is probably going to be like a long journey of an answer.、Yeah. Well, you try and then you run away and you try and you run away and you just keep doing it until you figure it out. But、uh, working through shame is like a very conscious decision to be like, okay, I'm going to see what happens. It's kind of like putting your hand near the fire and see if it burns you. And fire burns, okay, but that's probably not a good analogy. <laughs> just, just, just trying something and seeing how you how you really feel about it. Because I know that there were situations where it has, I have tried and then I've been too scared and too ashamed and I ran away and、mm-hmm. I and I accepted that happens and I can try again. I could try again and keep trying again until I eventually decide. Well, I like this and I'm going to enjoy it. Or I don't like this, and I don't want to enjoy it. It's enough to just keep trying enough to make a decision on whether I want to do this or not. Like make it in, don't make it involuntary. Make it very conscious that, yeah, I know that I'm freaking out. I know that I'm scared. I know that I feel like this might be bad, but oh, is it so good? I'm gonna go this way, you know. Just making decision about it. For sure. No, that's great. I I think you highlighted a very good point there that ties into. To shame, it's like so. When we're feeling ashamed of something,、uh, we could not be able to separate what we actually like from what we don't like because the shame is in the way there. But then you gotta like try and say like, is this actually me that doesn't like this? And is is it actually me that's not comfortable, or is this the shame talking? And I can imagine that must be a a long process to be able to identify what is your actual self and what is the shame. Yeah, that is that is so、um, so on point, you know. And and shame is is so pervasive. Like even after you figure out that you enjoy this, then afterward the shame can linger. So you have to deal with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I just want to interrupt you listening for a brief second just to remind you to check out my social media pages. I'm on Instagram as Refreshingly Human Podcast and Facebook as Refreshingly Human. You can also check me out on LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And if you are enjoying the episode, please don't forget to take a screenshot of yourself listening to the episode and share it on your own social media. Don't forget to tag me so I can see that love for Refreshingly Human. Now I'll let you get back to the episode. So you mentioned the, um, your story about being attracted to someone from the same sex as you. Is that something you you wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, coming to recognize those feelings growing up? And did you have anyone to talk to at the time? How old were you again when, when that happened for the first time? I was, um, let's see, I think I was, the first time it happened, I think I was in my teens. So uh mid-teens or something like that. The, I was like 15 when I started recognizing that these feelings existed and being conscious of them, but then repressed them a whole lot. Mm. And the first time I had sex was I was 20, 20 years old. So that was some time. And um, when I saw somebody, when I did the double take, I think I was uh, 18 or 19. So it took some time in college to be able to feel comfortable enough to to date or to do anything with anyone because mm-hmm. it was just so terrifying that it was more of the the punishment portion of it where I've been told that you know I'm going to go to hell or I'm a bad bad person if I do these things or think these things or feel these things and I think there was a point eventually where I was like okay I can't stop thinking about them so I'm already doomed I may as well just go and do the thing. And I had no other, no one really to talk to or support because I had this warped sense of identity where, oh yeah, I'm attracted to the same sex, but also um, all you people who are attracted to the same sex are evil and you're terrible and you're going into lake of fire and all those things. And mm. But it was just so hard to to be able to separate those things. So I had no one to really tell about what was happening because if I ran into somebody who was already out and living their life and and free and stuff I would judge the heck out of them Mm. and it was so it was so warped it was so hard to to be able to find comfort in someone especially if I'm going to judge them and tell them that their lifestyle was terrible it's just so there was it was just all experimenting and kind of like figuring it out and I think eventually after I discovered that um that my judgment is is getting in the way of me enjoying anything then that's when I was able to start connecting with other people and I think that started to happen in my mid-20s so a long time long gaps of of uh working through it just working through everything that I've been told and everything that um I've experienced in trying to make my own decisions about them yeah I mean I feel like not having that outlet to talk to or not having people to relate to or not being able to have these open dialogues about sex brings so much of unnecessary difficulty to discovering our sexuality. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a, a part there that I just remembered about um, college and how I kind of got into a polyamorous relationship 
to because it was a surprise. It, I had no idea this thing even existed being naive and from a small town. So I go into college and the first person I started dating, they had, they were living with a married couple. And I think, well, that's no big deal. I mean, you know, you're going to save money on rent and they're already cool. It's great. And turns out that they were all a thing, you know, so. <laughs> how how many? There were, so there was one guy and uh, a married couple. And so okay, it, it was like um, the married couple, the man and the woman, uh, and the guy that I was dating. So the guy that I was dating was with the married woman and the married man, he had another thing on the side. And so okay. the relationship was between the two married, the married woman and the married man. They had a really strong relationship together. And then they had other people on the side, essentially. Right. And Yeah. And so when I came in the picture and the guy wanted to date me, then the things just kind of fell apart and it was really dramatic. And it was a big secret for me too, because I didn't realize that they were dating. And so I'm dating this guy, but I thought his roommates were just roommates, but they're not. And so it was such a, such an interesting dynamic. <laughs> I'm, I'm like trying to draw a diagram in my head, like he's dating him and that, what, wait, yeah, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't keep it straight in my head. <laughs> I know, I know, but they, it, it just seemed to, um, it was interesting. It worked out for the married couple. I think that they're still together yeah. and that was the arrangement that they had. You know, I didn't realize that you could have those kind of relationships where mm -hmm. you're fine and comfortable with it. And later on, I would try my hand at that too and having some polyamorous relationship, but that fell apart because you need a uh, emotional maturity and you need good communication and all that stuff just didn't work out. Yeah. I love I love that you highlighted that because that's also something that I discovered quite late in in life is the different types of marriage that exists out there the different not even just marriage the different types of relationships that mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know are out there and to be able to view these relationship without judgment because it's just different and uh, I like that you mentioned that we need to have a certain type of emotional maturity to enter some of these relationships but I also think that it's um, it's person specific as well. You know, it's like, what, what do we want as a person? So like you spoke earlier about what are we comfortable with is being in a, a polyamorous relationship, something you are comfortable with as a person, or is it something that is not for you? I love that you tried it though. I love that you, you went into it, you tried it and then you were like, okay, it's not for me. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Yeah. And you have a story to tell about it too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have quite a bit of stories to tell yes and it was like I said I had to explore and see what was what was right for me and what wasn't what I what what I've been told is it true is it is it good is it work for me so I I found this relationship that I never thought that could exist or ever exist and it seemed like everybody was great you know until I came into the picture but it seemed like everyone was was great and they were having a good time and uh, it's like, yeah, that's, let me see how that will work for me. And especially, you know, it can be a thing if I'm attracted to just anyone, like I'd say just anyone, but um, yeah, for the most part, it's doesn't really matter if it's just uh, cis male, cis female, uh, trans male, trans woman, I'm attracted to a lot of different people. And so 
it's not that I want to sleep with everyone either. I don't want a relationship with everyone at once. Mm. It's just, there's something else that's deeper. It's more like um, physically, definitely I can be attracted to people, but I really would like that emotional and mental connection. That's what is really, really sexy to me. Amazing. And you're reminding me of uh, David from Schitt's Creek, his character. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you like red wine or white wine? <laughs> I love I mean, that show. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I like my husband and I binge watched that whole show like from Christmas till like I think we just finished it like a few weeks ago. All six seasons? All six seasons. Wow. <laughs> we binged it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And um, that's pretty amazing for me to hear. And I'm sure for many of the listeners out there to hear a story like this, um, you know, that's so open about someone who's has experienced so many different types of relationships and, you know, had to come to terms with that as well. Because I think I'm a little bit jealous of you in that sense, Lee, because I haven't had um, that many experiences when it comes to uh, sexual encounter sexual encounters um my, my experience is quite limited but i do think that the differences i don't i don't know how much they actually matter and in, in terms of you know our fulfillment with our sexual life yeah i would <laughs> say that like if you're going shopping and it takes you like 30 minutes to know what you want you walk in and you find out exactly what you want off the rack but if i'm there for two weeks and then i have to keep coming back and looking <laughs> <laughs> not finding exactly what I'm looking for, then I don't know if there's much to be jealous of <laughs> about. That's a very good analogy there. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's, I think I have definitely been very blessed to find what I was looking for um, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, because like a lot of people do make that mistake too. They're like, well, you find exactly what you think you want and you keep it around and you've got it. And then you're like, hmm. I wonder if there's something else out there. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. You've got the thing that you want. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I do, I do think what it would be like to, you know, have sex with Safe Ali Khan, this really fine Bollywood actor. So, you know, if anyone out there ever slept with Safe Ali Khan, let me know, you know, <laughs> give me the details. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> And I will just live through you on that account. But other than that, I'm quite happy, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as you say that, I'm thinking, I'm trying to make this distinction between or like lumping it all together like a relationship and sex. But sex and relationships are, they can be separate. They can be separate things. Like you can still want to enjoy someone else, their body, but you probably just don't want to talk to them because it's hard to hold a conversation. It's hard to really connect with them on an emotional level. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I think about that, like, well, yeah. Um, I started to think about this relationship, the most relationship, recent relationship that I've had. Um, I think it ended about a year ago. So like a little before the coronavirus started. And um, I was like, well, we did have nice conversation, but not so great sex. And so, you know, it's just kind of, it could be one without the other. Like, yeah. well, it's great to have them around for this emotional connection, but will it exist if we weren't dating? Would I get that kind of emotional connection? Could I just go off and 
have sex with someone else and keep this emotional connection mm. that some for some people it's possible and it's great but um I wouldn't be adverse to trying that again you wouldn't be or you yeah, would. I wouldn't be you I wouldn't think I have most enough emotional maturity to know what will work and what won't work and I could be upfront and not resentful about things I'm like hey these are the rules <laughs> and if you agree to them if you think that they fall into in line with what you what you want then let's try this but if not then you have to know that I'm not going to tolerate or hang around for anything other than yeah. that and be stronger and emotionally enough to not pout and be like a young 20 year old who's just <laughs> like pointing fingers and complaining you know <laughs> I, f- I feel like on some level these sexual contracts are much more serious than an actual marriage <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you said sexual contract. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what what to call it exactly because it's a, maybe it agreement, you know. It's it's an it's an agreement, I guess. Like you said there's there's rules, there's guidelines, there's um, you know. You know, I always joke with my husband and I'm like, "You didn't read my marriage contract. I said you have to do this." And he's like, "There was no contract." I was like, "There is a contract. You haven't read it." <laughs> So that that's why I'm thinking sexual contract. You know what? I think I need a sexual contract. I like that idea. I like that term. I like the term. I like the idea about it. I mean, it's so it sounds so strict and everything, but people don't treat it like that because there mm. are consequences if you don't don't follow, if you don't read it, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. The consequences would be like the hurt of the relationship, mm-hmm. a, a breakup, uh, you know, so, someone getting you know, someone getting hurt at the end of the day, for sure. Yeah. And then depending on what kind of relationship you entered or who you entered this relationship with, they could be on a whole different level. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to burn all of your clothes, <laughs> flash your tires, and it's over. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> fun. Yeah. <laughs> Read that contract. <laughs> I'm going to put it in there as a, as a clause. I can burn all of your clothes. <laughs> oh so yeah i think i think the only thing that would be on my sex contract is that if i ever have the opportunity i can have sex with safe ali khan this (laughs) (laughs) that's all you want that's all i want out there someone out there listen i hope that you're hearing her I've been obsessed with him like since I was like a little girl, but a little girl who didn't know about sex, I guess. But what I've been. Was it, what was it that was so uh, alluring uh, about I, this person? I I guess it's like he's got like this. Okay, so he's got like a really fine body. We'll start there, <laughs> and uh, he's he's got like the smile that is um, kind of like like an, a bad boy kind, but not even like a bad boy it's like I'm so sweet but I'm so bad kind of a smile uh, okay gotcha <laughs> it can be maybe not mischievous but yeah you know he's kind of, he, he strikes your curiosity oh yeah I kind of wonder what's that like being good and bad at the same time right I know you're bad <laughs> <laughs> Oh 
<laughs> well, let's get back to you, Lee. I'm, I'm, I'm going way off topic here with my my fantasies, but let's go back to you. Is there anything that you wish you were like? So I know that things were not perfect growing up. You know, we come from, you know, we are probably raised by a generation who didn't have as many tools as we do right now. Right. But knowing what we know now and knowing, you know, being able to look back and reflect, if you had to go back and say, I would have liked this to be different, I would have liked to have this conversation, what do you think that would look like? What would it look like to have a, a conversation and to be have my questions answered? I think that it would be wonderful to, I, I mean... If I would to ask, and I think having more consciousness of how my parents were, my, my mom was growing up, I would say that if I'd asked a question about sex and I was able to freely open and ask, I would say that if it was a different environment, they would say, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but let's go and figure it out together. Let's oh. talk about this because I, I'm like, um, they're not going to really know how my relationships are going to go or anything like that, but they can maybe provide some atmosphere for me to be able to talk about it. Like, well, I don't know how it happened for, might happen for you, but here are some of my experiences. And, um, you know, I'm not gonna tell you exactly what to do, but I want you to learn from what I've been through. Mm. So I'm divorced and I have kids and, you know, sometimes things like that happens and like, here's some things that you might want to look out for that have happened to me. And I can't tell you exactly what to do, but you can come to me always and I will share what I have with you or I'll listen to you. Something like that. Because mm -hmm. instead of, you know, I have to go figure it out no matter what, uh, like people, they have to have their own experiences and draw from their own experiences, but it would really be nice to have someone there to tell about my experience and help break it down and help make sense of it, especially if they've already had something similar happen. Mm. Yeah, I, I really think creating that safe space to dialogue about sex is so mm -hmm. important. And I'm, you know, fingers crossed that is where we're headed in the future. Fingers crossed they will be open dialogues. They are already, you know, there's this podcast where you can come on and hear me talk about Safe Ali Khan and sex. <laughs> but, but hopefully we can also, you know, create that safe space for people to just be able to, to ask those questions, to have those. And I, I hope that it extends to our homes as well. You know, it, it changes the dialogues in our homes as well. Absolutely. And, you know, because like a lot of people don't know what they like when it comes to sex. And there's like, I think that is the experience of my generation, of our generation, is that, well, the generation beforehand, we just didn't talk about it so much. And now we're talking about it. But now the generation after us is talking about consent and whether they like, whether we like what we like. And I think for my generation, it was like, well, we don't really, we, we, we're going to have sex, but we don't really going to, we're not really going to talk about what the other person likes and mm. we're just going to do it and see how it is. We don't know how to ask for things that we enjoy. So I think people my age are, are coming around to saying like, yeah, this is, this is what I like and this is how I want you to, to touch me. This is how I, I feel that. And, um, you know, to be able to talk about those things is 
another level to it. It'd be really great to be able to have been like, yeah. well, it's not on you to have to pleasure the other person. Cause it's, I think it's a lot about um, the man having to pleasure the the woman. Like they have to perform and they have to do all of this and, and so forth. And it's not really like that. And mm-hmm. everything that works for one person won't work for another person. Everybody has their own preferences. Mm-hmm. It's also up to the, the female, the woman to figure out what they want to, and to be able to communicate that. And it's not on the guy to just guess everything. Oh yeah, definitely. That's, that's refreshing. <laughs> I have to say, yeah. I mean, I guess I never, I never really thought about that so much. So yeah, I'm just, just thinking about my own relationships in the past as well. It's, it is quite a, you know, definitely what we were thought, you know, that the man has to do all the work and the woman has to just be the receiver. <laughs> but yeah, that definitely is, <clears throat> doesn't have to be the case. Not at all. Not at all. I imagine that, um, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's the Terminator, right? And I bet when he goes home, just he's not really like, um, he may be like one of those guys who wants to be dominated because he's always out there making decisions. He's like, I'm the Terminator and, and <laughs> Terminator like, sex. I love yeah. this. <laughs> the Terminator needs sex too. Yeah. It's like the woman is probably like, terminate me, baby. And he's like, oh, I'm tired of this. And then as soon as a a dominant woman comes along and smacks him in the face and is like, I'm the Terminator here, bitch. And just, (laughs) you just, you just never know. There's no expectations. Well, there was this expectation for him to be this big person. And now if that was true, I have no idea what goes on in this household, but you get the example. It's just that you you are able to be yourself and, and free and enjoy this because there are two people having sex. There are two, at least, at least two people in that situation. At least. Yeah. yeah. You know, I guess like the Terminator could terminate himself too, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that that's, yeah, that's a new one. I love that. That's brilliant. G- great comparison though it definitely paints the picture oh man <laughs> so awkward <laughs> and now uh, so yeah um is there anything else you'd like to add about uh, sex sex in general is there anything that like if, if there was one magic spell that you could place on the world when it came to sex or just one sweeping gesture that would make sex so much easier what would that be oh man (laughs) oh well a sweeping gesture there's a couple of things that i would say of course it's a very natural thing and not anything to be ashamed of and also um the more education that you have about sex the better Mm. I would say because it can, you know, yield some circumstances or some consequences if you're not conscious of them. It's the but it's nothing to be absolutely terrified and lose your mind over. Like you can get someone pregnant, you can become pregnant, you can contract an STD. But those are things that we know about and we can predict and we can protect against. It's like using fire, like the fire for the first time boom, it's out there in your caveman and you look at it and you're confused about it and you touch yourself and you get burned by it because you don't know that it burns. But 
these days we have fire stoves. We know how to control it. We can use it and we can use it for a benefit. So it's the same with sex. It's there. It's important for us because it's part of our enjoyment. It's a natural release. It's everything. And if you don't want to get pregnant, then there are things to help you get that. If you don't want to get an STD and you want to be safe about it, there are things you can do to prevent that. So Mm -hmm. the more education you have, the better. Just go out and enjoy it. It's a natural human thing. Definitely. I'm thinking about that song. Um, I can't remember who sings it. It's like, let's let's do it like we do on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> <laughs> what song is that? Do you yeah, know that one? I know that song. I don't remember the name of it, but I think maybe it's Mammals. Yeah, I think Give that's... Me, baby, yeah. ain't nothing but mammals. So... <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I just, I was just thinking about that song. I remember when it came out, it was like, oh my God, like, don't listen to that saying? song. How could they talk like that? And now that's exactly what we're saying right here. <laughs> 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 well, not exactly like that because, you know, consent is a thing. Yes, consent <laughs> is definitely a thing. But yeah, I definitely agree that we need to be educated and we can definitely avoid so much, but we do need to learn how to do that. You know, I think like something like just telling people to just use a condom is definitely not enough information. Yeah, um, you know, like, well, how do you wear it? How do you wear it? And if, when, when do you know when it's a, not a good time to use the condom again, you know, like if you put it on wrong the first time, take that and throw it away. And you get another one because, you know, just wearing a condom, you have to put it on correctly. And I did not think about that because, yeah, never mind. But (laughs) I'm going to say why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're not trying to get pregnant, then that's not a thing you want to do. You want to be extra careful about that. For sure. Yeah. Wow. There's there's so much we have to learn. Um, Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I'm definitely not one of those. I'm not a sex therapist, a therapist of any kind. I've just shared my experiences, of course. And oh, yeah. Oh, it's a good idea to throw a condom away after you've put it on the wrong way. <laughs> Interesting. That That's some tactical things for people to take home if they did not know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, yeah, so. I think that's all I have to say about that. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> awesome. Let's end the let's end the thing with some condom talk. <laughs> awesome. So, Ali, do you want to um, tell the listeners again where we can find you and? Oh yes. So yeah, patternsofpossibility.com. Uh, my personal coach, a transformational coach, I take people and recognize patterns, help them recognize their patterns and uh, turn them into new possibilities. So you can find me at patternsofpossibility.com. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. And I also have my own podcast where I share my experiences about my life and I tell like what I've learned about those experiences. I do it in a really shame-free way. So... If you listen to it, you'll enjoy. I'm sure I'm going to tell a story about this sometime in the future. (laughs) One time about sex, (laughs) what I've learned. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I'm sure like everyone can hear how 
honest and open you are on these episodes with me and that you really do have a way of telling your story that connects. I just, I love the analogies that you bring to it. It's like, ah, oh, I would not have thought about that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. Well, Lee, thank you so much once again for joining me and I look forward to having you on other episodes in the future. Fantastic. All right. Amazing. I'd love to talk to you. Thanks for having me again. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to share it with a friend you think would enjoy the content as well. You can also leave me a review on iTunes or Podchaser.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Refreshingly Human Podcast, Facebook as Refreshingly Human, and LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Music and podcast editing by Tonekeeper Productions. Visit www.tonekeeperproductions.com.